We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures, visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card. The only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Hey, Daniel, how do your kids get to school these days? Oh, they're super independent and awesome about it. They actually bike themselves there and back. Nice. And how long does it take them? Oh, that depends. <laughs> on what? The weather? What they have for breakfast? Those, but mostly on the direction. It's about twice as long on the way to school as it is on the way home. Oh, is that because it's downhill one way and uphill the other way? <laughs> nope. So what's going on? Is it uh, some kind of quantum effect? I asked my daughter about it, actually. She said, well, you know, I'm excited to get home. That's my time. <laughs> she didn't say because she was excited to see you. <laughs> I'm sure that's what she meant. That's the quantum effect right there. Jorge I'm a cartoonist and the co-author of Frequently Asked Questions About the Universe. Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm a particle physicist and a professor at UC Irvine, and I am a quantum mechanic. Oh yeah, do you fix quantum cars? I do when I don't. And, and then they work and not work at the same time? And do people pay you and not pay you also? Yeah, I build them and I don't. That sounds like a cool <laughs> uh, Marvel movie plot device, like a quantum engine. Yeah, exactly. It generates any plot you need to fill any hole in the Marvel universe. It's like magic, you know? <laughs> Does that mean you're a quantum mechanical engineer? Because I'm a mechanical engineer, but, you know, 
I would love to add quantum in front of it. You just need to use super tiny little tools. That's the trick. I just need to uh, pretend to know what I'm talking about. Is that the secret? <laughs> just wave your hands a bunch. That's especially effective on a podcast. I see. Yeah. Just say, you know, Schrodinger, Schrodinger, Heisenberg, Heisenberg. Hermitian matrices. <laughs> wave function, wave function. <laughs> Suddenly I get a promotion. Yeah, exactly. Quantum mechanics is just hand wave functioning. But anyways, welcome to our podcast. Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe, a production of iHeartRadio. In which we talk about the craziness of our universe. Everything that can be understood and everything that can't be understood and everything that you think you might understand, but you simultaneously are confused about all at the same time. Your quantum mechanical understanding of our crazy universe. We embrace it. We explore it. We explode it. And mostly we explain all of it to you. That's right, because humanity is cruising through this universe during driven by an engine of curiosity. And we love to look out the window and wonder about all the things that are out there and how they work. And that curiosity has led us to some very strange conclusions about the nature of that universe out there beyond our skulls. It seems to follow rules, but those rules are very different from the ones that we imagined they were many, many years ago. Yeah, it is a very perplexing universe and there are physicists and scientists asking questions about it all the time. And we like to talk about what they talk about, what questions they're asking and break it down for you. And most importantly, we like to think about what science has figured out and what science still does not yet know. The boundaries of our knowledge, the realms where future discoveries lie, where crazy revelations for the future will upend our entire understanding of how the universe works. Yeah, because as you said, I think the universe has sort of surprises uh, quite a few times in the history of science for humans, right? Oh, so many times in the past, and I hope many, many times in the future. Moments when the the whole field collectively went, what? Are you addicted to plot twists? Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> you just go to the movies for that shocking moment. I think fundamentally it comes from the fact that the universe seems to work very differently on different scales. You know, the rules of big quantum mechanics, things that apply to like 10 to 25 particles like me and you and baseballs seem to be different than the rules that apply to very, very small scale. The rules of very slow things seem to be different from the rules for very, very fast things. So because we can't have a single effective description that works for every situation, we keep getting surprised when we discover a new situation that requires a new understanding. Yeah, because the universe seems to work differently at different scales, scales of size and scales of speed. And, uh, you know, we're as humans used to one scale of and moving in one kind of speed, but somehow the universe kind of likes to change things up. It certainly does. And we've spent hundreds or thousands of years trying to figure out how the universe works. But as you said, we live at a certain speed. And as we explore the universe more broadly, we discover that the rules we devised that work for throwing rocks at each other or hunting antelope or climbing up to get that fresh piece of fruit don't always work when it comes to planets whizzing very close to their stars or approaching black holes. Yeah, you know, I kind of like the speed we're moving at right now. You know, I feel like I, I don't I'm not sure I want to go faster. <laughs> Or maybe I'm just getting old. Well, then, you know, just don't volunteer to go up in space or visit that black hole. Send one of our <laughs> podcast listeners instead. Send the physicist. No, thank you. They're the ones who want to <laughs> go anyways, right? Why would you send anyone else? I want to know what's there. I don't want to be there myself. Right, you don't. But what if nobody else wants to go? Would you go? Ooh, tough situation. Hmm. Depends on the snacks they're offering along the way, I suppose. <laughs> what if it's just bananas <laughs> all the way down? Scratch it. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> Not worth you can, it. You can slide your way into the black hole. 
It's a slippery slope. But science has blown our minds many times over the last few centuries, and maybe no instance more so than when uh, Einstein discovered special relativity. Einstein's new view of how space and time are linked together, how light moves through space, how time is not universal, really blew up a lot of basic ideas we had about the way the universe worked. Ideas that date all the way back to Isaac Newton. Yeah, he blew everyone's mind and he sort of did it like from the comfort of his desk, right? He, he ended up with, with a pen and a piece of paper. <laughs> it all sort of started with a, a little thought experiment. There were a lot of thought experiments, but you know, he was motivated by the work and the experiments done by a lot of other folks. In the hundred years before Einstein, people had been studying light and electromagnetism, which raised some questions about how fast things moved and whether they were moving relative to something else, whether light propagated through an ether or whether it just moved through empty space. And so there were a lot of really interesting and puzzling experimental results in the last hundred years that needed somebody to sort of sit down and think clearly and bring it all together. I think that's really motivating in the history of physics, times when all of the ideas were out there, all the information you needed to make that discovery was already present. It was public information and it just needed somebody to sit down and think carefully and make those connections. That's inspiring to me because we're in a similar moment right now when there are a lot of results we just don't understand. And maybe somebody just needs to think about it the right way and have that moment of clarity. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. And I guess I'm just saying that, you know, he revolutionized physics, but he uh, did it without a 50 billion particle collider, you know? <laughs> Is that a challenge? Are you saying I should be able to do the same thing? You're not a real physicist if you can do it for the price of pen and paper. <laughs> uh, I didn't say that. You just said that. Well, the point I'm making is that, yeah, he only spent money on pen and paper, but he was relying <laughs> on the experiments of people who spent a lot more time and money and blood and sweat to extract that information from the universe. Something that really distinguishes modern science from like what the Greeks were doing is that it's empirical. We actually demand that it describes the universe and that it survives experimental tests, not just ideas in our minds. Yeah, I guess he collided ideas, sort of, right? It's a two-part harmony experiment and theory, right? You need both voices to really make the song sing. Yeah, but he upturned our notion of the universe and he did it from his desk with a piece of paper. And it, he did it sort of by asking a very kind of simple question, right? About the universe and the speed of light. So today on the podcast, we'll be tackling the question. Is the speed of light the same in all directions? I'm not even sure why we're asking this question. Like, is it possible for light to <laughs> go at different speeds in the like up or down rather than side to side? Yeah, it's a really fascinating question. And there's sort of two steps in getting here. One is first just like accepting the idea that the speed of light should be the same for all observers. This is sort of the big revelation of special relativity from Einstein that the speed of light is the speed of light no matter who's measuring it, no matter what the source is. If you're holding a flashlight and you flick the switch, light leaves the flashlight at the speed of light. If you're sitting in a car going 60 miles per hour and turn on a flashlight, then for you, light still leaves your flashlight at the speed of light. But somebody on the ground seeing you move at 60 miles per hour relative to the ground and seeing you flick on that flashlight, they don't measure that light going at 
the speed of light plus 60 miles per hour. They still see it going at the speed of light. This is one of the core ideas of special relativity and one of the hardest to get your minds around that the speed of light is invariant. Yeah, it's kind of a fundamental feature of the universe, but I, I guess it gets a little tricky, right? Because we also know that kind of like gravity and heavy objects bend space. So you can also sort of bend the speed of light in a way. Oh, absolutely. Everything we're talking about today is assuming that space is flat. There's no curvature. There's no heavy masses. There's no black holes. In general relativity, where space is curved, things get even wonkier and light can have all sorts of weird speeds. And you can observe light going at crazy higher speeds or even crawling to zero as it tries to escape the gravity well of a black hole. But that's a completely separate rabbit hole, which I think we should close off for today. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying speed of light can change kind of depending on, on what's around it. It's an even weirder question because in general relativity, we can't even talk about the definition of the speed of light if the light is far away. You can only measure the speed of light confidently in your local frame because we don't know how to define the velocity of distant objects in general relativity in an invariant way. If you're talking about the speed of light for a photon that's very, very far away from you in general relativity, and there's curvature between you and there, then you don't even really know how to define velocity. So wait, so then the speed of light doesn't move the same in all directions? Or is it that we just don't know how to measure it? We don't even know how to define what we mean by velocity of a photon for very different objects in curved space, right? We talked about this once on the podcast, about how to compare things that are moving that are very, very far apart from each other if the universe is curved between those objects. Like if you have runners near each other running in a race in Chicago, you can talk about who's faster because they're all in the same location and space is pretty much flat between them. But if the earth is curved and one of your runners is in Chicago and the other one is in South America, then you have to take that curvature into account when you're comparing their velocities. And there's different ways to do that. And so their relative velocity is no longer like a crisply defined thing. You can get different answers based on exactly how you compare them. Same is true in general relativity. If you fire a photon in the other side of a black hole, for example, then people could disagree about how you define the velocity of that photon because space is curved between us and them. I guess that feels like maybe next level podcast um, <laughs> topic. But I think when you talk about Einstein and what he was thinking about back then, he was maybe mostly thinking about the local velocity of light, right? Like if I'm sitting here and I point a flashlight up, down, left, right, forwards or back, is that flash of light going to move at the same speed? That's right. So Einstein first says, look, the speed of light is invariant. Everybody measures it to be the same thing. But there's a wrinkle there. It turns out that Einstein's equations and all of our experiments could also be consistent with light moving at different speeds in different directions. That maybe light moves faster in one direction than in the other direction. All right. Well, I guess that question is more about whether the speed of light is the same, whether you're moving or not. But I think today we're asking a different question, which is like, does the universe have kind of a preferred direction for the speed of light? Or does the speed of light somehow move faster or slower in a particular direction, I guess, relative to the rest of the stuff in the universe? Mm -hmm, exactly. And remember, there are famous experiments, the Michelson-Morley experiment, that tried to ask the question about whether light is moving relative to some ether or whether it's just propagating through empty space. And people were trying to measure that. And so they did these experiments where they shot beams of light against a mirror and back to measure it. And they discovered that the speed of light seems to be the same in all directions, even as the Earth turns, etc. And so there probably wasn't any ether. But, you know, in special relativity, there are always loopholes and you have to ask questions about those loopholes. And one of the loopholes in those experiments is that they're measuring the speed of light there and back. 
sort of like you throw a baseball to somebody and they throw it back and you're measuring the average velocity in both directions. And so there's a question there about whether the speed of light really is the same there and back or whether it could be different on the way there and on the way back. So it's not about up and down, left and right. It's more about there and back. It's more about there and back. There'd have to be some direction in which it's preferred for it to be the same or not. Okay, so then is, does this scenario then assume that we're both sort of stationary and not moving with the rest uh, with the rest of the universe or can we be moving super fast this question isn't about how fast you're moving relative to the rest of the universe or whether there's an ether the question asks does light actually move the same speed in both directions if i shine a beam of light at you and you hold a mirror and reflect it back to me how do we know that it's gone at the same speed on the way to you and on the way back mm, and, and this is no matter where you're standing like if i you're standing in front of me and I shine a light to you and back or to the side of me and I shine a light to you and back. Does it matter where you are relative to me or are we always just thinking about there and back? It might matter. Yeah. The question is sort of like, does the universe have a preferred direction where the speed of light is faster in one direction and slower in the opposite direction? And that would be really weird, you know, because we expect the universe to not prefer any direction. So that would be very, very strange. That would be super strange. It'd be like if there was some kind of like wind, overall wind to the universe that, that always pushes light faster in one way and not the other. Exactly. And so it might surprise people how little we know about the relative speed of light on the way there and on the way back. So as usual, we were wondering how many people had thought about this question, whether the speed of light can be the same in all directions. And so Daniel went out there into the internet to find out what people thought. So thanks very much to everybody who answered this question and our entire team of question answers. If you'd like to join that team, please don't be shy. Everybody's welcome. Write to us to questions at danielandjorge.com. Think about it for a second. Do you think the speed of light is the same in all directions? Here's what people had to say. I don't think so. I think it is. Yeah, it should be the same in all directions unless there's a... Something blocking it. Or a bending of space-time. I believe that the speed of light is the same in all directions. However, I'm not sure because when we measure the speed of light, we send light in one direction and then it comes back to us and we measure the time and then uh, divide that uh, by two getting to um, the speed of light. But we don't know if the speed is the same when it's going towards the mirror as it is when it's coming back. We just know that the total uh, is speed there. Space has no preferred direction and the speed of light is a constant in a vacuum. So I'm going to say, yes, the speed of light is the same in all directions. Should be the same in all directions. Uh, you see, it depends on what direction do you, do you go, for instance, when you go on a vacation, yes, um, that speed of light is faster than you come back from a, your vacation. Coming back from a vacation might affect the, even the speed of light. I'm pretty sure the speed of light is the same in all directions because it is a constant. So you can't really have light going above the speed of light or I guess slower than the speed of light. I'm not sure. I thought the speed of light was um, continuous. So what's that, 186,000 miles per second. So that would be surely the same in all directions as it's not, it, it doesn't kind of follow the same rules that we would apply to, to normal speed limits. Saying that, oh God, yeah, no, I'm going to say no. So immediately I'm kind of thinking of like a star 
and lights shining from every angle because it's uh, spherical. Um, I think it shine more brightly in the direction where there's like solar flares because those are essentially like the matter shooting out and then the light leaving those bits of matter. So no, I think it kind of depends where the star is most active. In the vacuum of space, the speed of light is the same in every direction. I learned that uh, by listening to your podcast. Yes, the speed of light is the same in all directions. Relative directionality can affect wavelength, and I believe there's experiments where they've captured or slowed down photons, but the speed of light is the same in all directions. I want to say yes, it's a constant. Um, however, things may change where spaghettification occurs or lensing around a black hole. Perhaps. All right. Most people think that it should be the same. A few people thought it shouldn't be the same. Yeah. Overwhelmingly, people think, look, it's a constant. And so it's the speed of light. It's the speed of light. And that's been really drummed into people in physics and in popular science for a long time. So it makes sense that people believe that. Yeah. Because as you said, I think everyone has heard of, you know, that famous experiment where you shoot light in one way and the other way and, and you measure the speed of light to be the same. So I guess people just assume that it's always the same. Exactly. But in physics, we always have to ask, what did we really really learn from this experiment, what other ideas might also explain this experiment? And is there any way we can distinguish between these like alternative hypotheses and the one that we favor? Mm, I see. You can't just leave well enough alone. Never. We'll always have more questions. You gotta, yeah, keep picking at it. Exactly. <laughs> That's how we got to where we are, right? The whole way that we discover crazy new ideas about the universe is by picking at things, by tugging on those little threads that didn't quite sit well with somebody. Yes. And are we better off, Daniel? <laughs> <laughs> I have a job. So, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> oh, good. One person is better off. All right. Well, let's get down to the nitty gritty of it. And let's start with the basics. Uh, Daniel, what is the speed of light? How do you define it? What does it mean in the universe? Usually when we talk about the speed of light, we mean the speed of light of a photon moving in a vacuum. And it's really not just the speed of light. It's the speed of information. Any massless particle, a gluon, a graviton, if it exists, would move at the speed of light and has to move at the speed of light because things that are massless have nothing to them. They are just motion. So these objects move at this ridiculously high speed, 300 million meters per second. And so it seems to be sort of like a fundamental speed to the universe, not just to light. Right. It's kind of like the, the basic speed of information. But I guess maybe a basic question is how do you define it or how do you, how do you measure it? Like I shoot a photon here and then I measure how long it takes for it to get to a meter in front of me? Is that how you would define the speed of light? But then how does a person a meter in front of me know when I shot the photon? Yeah, exactly. And this is precisely the kind of question you need to think very carefully about in special relativity, because measuring velocity in special relativity is a bit subtle. What you need to do is define a distance. Like so you have a point A and a point B. You measure the distance between them. You shoot something from A to B. And then you need to measure the time it took to go from A to B, right? And that's where the subtlety comes in knowing how long it took to go from A to B. Because you have a clock at A and you have a clock at B, but to measure the time from A to B, you can't just necessarily subtract the time on the clock at B and the time on the clock at A, because how do you know they were synchronized, right? So you have to come up with some way to synchronize those clocks. And so this is where a lot of the complication comes in, is in how to synchronize clocks at different locations. And all special relativity is about simultaneity across distances. 
and how you define these kinds of things. Right. It's really hard to synchronize clocks because I guess that, like you could come here to South Pasadena and we could make sure our clocks start at the same time. But by the time you get down there to Orange County where you live, your clock might be out of sync. In fact, it certainly will be. Because what we learned is that moving clocks run slow. So if I get in my car and I drive at 60 miles an hour or in L.A. more like five miles an hour relative to your house, then by the time my clock arrives in Irvine, it will no longer be synchronized with yours. Right. And so it's very complicated to synchronize separated clocks. What if I drive the opposite way the same amount? Wouldn't they still be in sync? <laughs> then you're just going to give me a big calculational headache. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll end up in the mountains here, uh, San Gabriel Mountains, but wouldn't that work? Wouldn't the clock still be synchronized? No, fundamentally, that doesn't change anything because it's still just relative velocity. It just increases my relative velocity to you or your relative velocity to me. But because velocity is all relative, it doesn't matter what your velocity is relative to the ground. It doesn't change the fact that our relative velocities is what determines the time dilation. Mm, I see. I think what you're saying is it gets complicated. I'm saying stay home, Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. I hate, I hate driving anywhere. Can I take an Uber? What if I take an Uber or a Lyft? Does it still dilate time? Oh, you have to pay extra to not dilate time on your Uber. It's the Uber quantum. <laughs> all right, well, so that's the speed of light. And let's get into whether or not it moves the same in all directions and whether or not we've actually measured that. But first, let's take a quick break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities. But it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on creditworthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. 
Terms and more at AppleCard.com. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. All right, we're talking about the speed of light, which is the, um, I guess, the opposite of how fast my kids move whenever they don't want to go somewhere. The speed of parenting, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The speed of light is something that really comes up a lot in questions about the universe because it seems to be something deep and true, something like that reflects how the universe itself works. You know, that if you have empty space with nothing in it, that photons ripple through at a certain speed. And people are often asking, you know, why? Why is the speed of light this number and not some other number? Right, like, is it a fundamental part of the universe? Uh, but you just raised an interesting point, which is that the speed of light is really just kind of like how fast a photon or a ripple in the electromagnetic field moves. So maybe the real question we're asking here is whether those fields themselves can move or maybe they have a preferred direction for ripples to move it. Yeah, we're talking about the rippling of these quantum fields and how well we understand it. You know, and I think the thing to remember is that our description of special relativity doesn't come from some deep underlying understanding of space and time. We haven't like derived the speed of light from saying, oh, space is a bunch of quantum foam and they're linked together in this way and the speed of light comes from how those things are linked or anything like that. It's just our most successful and most compact description of all the experiments that we have seen. So you can look at it and you can ask like, well, I wonder why it's this way and not some other way. And we don't have an answer to that. We just have like a very effective description that works really, really well. And we can ask questions about it and we can use it. We don't always understand why this is the theory of the universe or why the number is this number. It might be that it's determined by deeper underlying truths about the universe, or it might be that it's not, you know, that we live in a multiverse and in different universes, there are different speeds of light. And this is just the one we got. Right. Or even just the idea that there is a speed limit to the universe, you know, like, you know, we assume that the, nothing can move faster than the speed of light. And physicists always say that. And I think people have internalized that. But really, we don't know why. Like, the, we only know that because we've measured that right that's right that is our best description of the universe there really isn't a great why the answer to why is like well if you assume that that's true then you develop a theory which is very effective and seems very accurate and describes our universe that's not really an answer to the why it's a whether you should think this is probably accurate, not why is it this way and not some other way. Right. And it's all based on what we've observed, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's why it's so important to remember what the experiments actually tell us and what they don't tell us. Because it can be tempting to draw like overly broad conclusions about what's going on in the universe and what we understand. But in the end, it's always grounded in those experiments, not just the pen and paper folks. Right. So let's get into that maybe in more detail. And when you talk about the speed of light and measuring the speed of light, like what does that actually mean? Like I asked earlier, like, does it mean that somebody shot a flashlight here and somebody measured how long it took to get to the other person? But then how did they do it? Were the clock sinks and all that? It gets kind of tricky. It gets pretty tricky. If you want to measure the speed of light, like from me to you, then either you have to know exactly how our clocks go out of sync when we move them apart, 
but that requires special relativity, which depends on the speed of light. Or you could try to use like light pulses to synchronize our clocks, which are separated. But again, that requires understanding how long it takes light to go from me to you. So there's no way to independently sync two distant clocks in order to measure the speed of light just in one direction. And so what people have done, the actual experiments we have done is to measure the round trip speed of light. So you don't have a clock in Pasadena, you just have a mirror. I have a clock, one single clock. I shoot my laser beam up to Pasadena, it bounces off of your mirror, it comes back to me, and I can measure the there and back time on my clock, and we know what the distance is, so then we can derive the speed of light. But what I'm measuring there is the round trip speed of light, not the one-way speed of light. Mm, interesting, because then you don't need two clocks, right? Exactly. Okay, so then that's, is that kind of the basis of most experiments that have measured the speed of light? Is the there and back kind of timing? That's the basis of every measurement of the speed of light. We had a whole podcast episode about how this was measured. And, you know, the first ones were pretty cool. There were tricks about like Io disappearing behind Jupiter and how long that takes when Io is moving towards us versus away from us. But more recent measurements are all about like shooting beams of light against distant mirrors and having them come back. Uh, Fizeau did this cool experiment with rotating gears that moved really fast and blocking the light, etc. But all of them are there and back measurements for that reason, because there's no way to synchronize two distant clocks without knowing what the speed of light is already. Right, right. So that seems like a pretty straightforward way to measure the speed of light is you shoot it again up to a mirror, you know the distance from you to the mirror, so you measure how long light takes to go to the mirror and back. And why isn't that just a, why isn't that straightforward? Like that should tell you how fast light moves, right? That should tell you how fast light moves. But if you go back and read Einstein's original paper from 1905, he makes a point that we don't actually know what the speed of light is in all directions. Like his special relativity and all of these experiments are also consistent with a very different, very strange idea of the universe that light could move faster between Irvine and Pasadena than it does between Pasadena and Irvine. Let's say for the sake of argument that it should take two seconds for light to get from Irvine to Pasadena and back. One possibility is that it takes one second to get from Irvine to Pasadena and one second to get back. Another possibility is that it takes half a second to get from Irvine to Pasadena and a second and a half to get back. And both of those would be consistent with what we measure because we only measure the round trip time. And Einstein in his paper pointed out like, hmm, there's an ambiguity here. We don't actually know what the one-way time is. So let's just assume that it's the same in every direction because that's simplest. So that's called the Einstein convention. And that's the one on which special relativity is built. But we've never actually checked that that's true. Whoa, that is pretty mind-blowing. I guess the, the idea is that you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the two scenarios, right? Like you wouldn't be able to tell if light took one second each way or whether it took one and a half seconds one way and half a second the other way. Like there's no real way for you to know, right? There's no experiment you can do to tell the difference. But what if I like do Irvine to Pasadena and Pasadena and back, right? That's one sort of direction. What if I go... Let's say that's like north-south. What if I go east-west and I measure it to be the same? Wouldn't that sort of tell me that there is some sort of invariance in the universe? That's a Michelson-Morley experiment, right? It doesn't matter what direction your apparatus is pointed relative to the Earth or the cosmos or anything. You always get the same answer. But it could be that the east-west version is different from the north-south version. But again, you can't tell because you don't measure the intermediate time. You only measure the round-trip time. And it's even possible for it to be instantaneous in one direction and then take the full round trip time on the way back. Zero seconds from Irvine to Pasadena, two seconds on the way back. Mm, I see. 
So even if you measure in north-south, east-west, up and down, because you're measuring a round-trip thing, if there was sort of a bias, let's say the universe had a bias towards northwest to southeast, you still wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I think that's what you're saying. That's right. All round-trip measurements of the speed of light are not sensitive to the one-way speed of light, the speed of light just from A to B. Mm. What if I, um, I don't know, shoot, shoot a triangle, like I form a, a triangle <laughs> with like two mirrors. Do you know what I mean? Like, wouldn't that give me a little bit more of a sensitivity to the direction of the universe? Yeah, but if you're not measuring the time and the intermediate steps, it doesn't matter how many intermediate steps you have. You're still just measuring the round trip time. As long as you have a single clock in one location, you can't tell how long it's taken to get part of the way through the trip, right? All right. So that sounds like a quite a pickle there. <laughs> that we can't tell the universe has a preferred direction for the speed of light. So what, what does that mean? It means two things, right? It means on one hand that we should think deeply about what we actually know about the universe, uh, what's really happening out there. And on the other hand, it also means we should think carefully about the questions we're asking. Like, does this question have any meaning? It sounds really deep and meaningful, but is it just really the same as like saying that time zones are time zones and it just depends on like how you define time? So it raises some interesting questions about like what we mean by these theories and how we understand the universe. Wait, wait, wait. are you saying you're giving up? Like we, we can't tell from a, with an experiment where you bounce light off of a mirror. So does that mean we can never tell if light has a preferred direction in the universe? If special relativity is correct, then it's consistent with all of these different ideas. And there should be no way to tell the difference between these various ideas that light is instantaneous in one direction and half the speed of light in the other or the speed of light in every direction. So according to special relativity, Einstein's ideas are consistent with all of those, right? And every experiment we've ever done is also consistent with all of those ideas. There is no way that we are aware of to tell the difference. Wow. Does that mean we'll never know? Or does it mean we just, um, you know, need a better, better theory? If this theory is correct, then we'll never know. But it might be possible that, you know, special relativity is not correct. We know that it's part of general relativity and general relativity is probably not the fundamental theory of the universe and needs to be modified to include quantum mechanics, which has its own weird ideas about time. So, you know, in some future theory of quantum gravity, perhaps we'll figure this out. Or if we develop a deep understanding of space and time and we understand like where the speed of light actually comes from, then maybe that'll put some constraint on it. But if our current theories are true, then there's no way to tell the difference. I mean, there isn't anything that would like... I don't know, give you a theoretical like inconsistency if the universe wasn't, if it had a preferred direction. Do you know what I mean? Like if it had a preferred, like let's assume it has a preferred direction. Wouldn't that make the equations break or wouldn't that make things, you know, all these symmetries break somehow? No, it makes the equations much more complicated because now like time dilation is asymmetric. Clocks run slower differently depending on the direction they are going, but it always makes the same predictions. It always cancels itself out. It always comes out to predict the same conclusions for every experiment. The twin paradox and spaceships and general relativity and all that stuff, time dilation, all comes out to them the same answers. So the math is more complicated and it's also not as appealing, right? It's weird, it's strange, it doesn't sit well with us. It's not the simplest possible explanation, which is why Einstein made his choice. He's like, this seems more reasonable. This seems like the right way to go. But theoretically, it all does hang together. Whoa. Well, I guess let's think about the scenario where the, the universe does have a preferred direction. Like, let's say the universe northeast to southwest or something like that. What could be the cause of that? Like, does that mean that all of the quantum fields are somehow moving in that direction? And, and why that direction? 
Well, I think there's two schools of thought about this. One is like, this could be real. It could be true that things actually move instantaneously in one direction and, you know, are half the speed of light in the other. And you ask, like, what could cause that? And yeah, it could be, you know, resulting from the way space and time is linked together. You know, remember that we just don't really understand what space is. Space is not just this backdrop in which the universe happens. It might emerge somehow from like woven together quantum pieces. And the way that information travels through that space could be determined by the rules for how that space works at the lowest level. So because we don't know why the speed of light is what it is, we have no reason to expect that it is some value in this direction and some value in another direction. There's interesting consequences there also for like momentum conservation and angular momentum conservation. Because remember that momentum conservation comes from assuming that the universe is the same everywhere. And angular momentum conservation comes from assuming that it's the same in every direction, that if you spin your experiment, you don't get any different answers. That's one school of thought. Another school of thought is that this is all overblown and none of this really means anything. It just has to do with like how you define time and simultaneity, but really nothing mysterious is going on. Well, uh, just to go back to what you said a, a moment earlier, I did have a question about that. Like, like if light is moving faster in one direction than another direction, and I shoot a photon to a mirror in that direction, that means it's going faster one way and slower the other way. I guess what's causing that photon to slow down? Does it need something to like push it or like wouldn't it take some energy to change its speed? That's an interesting question. Remember that photons don't just bounce off of mirrors, right? So it's not really the same photon that goes there and comes back. A photon is like absorbed and re-emitted in a really complicated process. The microphysics of like how photons bounce off of objects and are reflected at the correct angle is actually really complicated. We should dig into it in some future episode of the podcast. But you can sort of think of it like as a new photon and what could cause it, you know, like we don't know why the speed of light is what it is. And so this is just saying that there's more freedom to our theories of the universe than we expected. That There's a knob that can be set to different values in different directions and everything still sort of works out because we don't know why that knob is what it is at all. Then it's a little bit suspect to assume that it's the same knob in every direction. Mm, I see. What about things moving in a circle? Like you have particles and, and sometimes light you know, light can sort of go around a black hole in a circle. Wouldn't a preferred direction cause some wonkiness in that or some weird kind of um, angular momentum differences? You can think of motion in a circle as decomposed into just two different one directional motions. Right? It's just like put an axis on it, X and Y. Motion in a circle is motion in X and motion in Y. And so you can just break it down into two pieces of linear motion. And if the speed of light is different in one direction, then, you know, it would go faster around the back of the black hole, for example, and then slow down on the way back. But if you're not measuring it halfway around the black hole, then you have no idea how long it's taken to do the orbit and whether it's gone smoothly around the black hole, or like zipped faster around one bit and taken its time around another bit. Right. But it's weird to think that the photon would slow down in the middle, right? Wouldn't that cause some different forces on, on it or the black hole? Yeah, and it's complicated because you have to account for all the forces here. But if we're talking about photons moving through curved space, then there's already effective forces on them. You can either think about space as curved and photons moving along geodesics, or you could think about space as flat, sort of in a Newtonian way, thinking about the force on the photon to make it move in a circle. So in any case, there's already like strange things happening to this photon to change its direction and therefore its energy. Remember that energy itself is not an invariant in the universe. 
different people will see the same photon as having different energies anyway, right? Based on their velocity relative to the object that emitted it. I could see a photon as being redder than you see that same photon based on our velocities relative to what sent that photon out because of relativistic Doppler effects. So energy already is pretty wonky, even if you think that the speed of light is the same in all directions. I see. All right. I guess we can all just blame it on the universe being wonky <laughs> and strange. <laughs> all right. Well, it seems like we may never know if light can go faster in any particular speed. It could. It could be pretty wild and crazy out there, or it could be pretty boring and the same everywhere, but we, we might never know. And so let's get into what it could all mean about our understanding of the universe and our future experiments. But first, let's take another quick break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place, full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities. But it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. You know that feeling after you've done a deep spring clean of your house when you realize, wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like how you feel when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless while Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording all this? So it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Personally, I've used Mint Mobile and the calls are always so crisp and so clear. All of their plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. So it's time to ditch your overpriced wireless and go with Mint Mobile's limited time deal for three months a premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 
bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash universe. That's mintmobile.com slash universe. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash universe. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Slower speeds above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. We're talking about the speed of light and whether it's the same in all directions. Daniel, it seems like you're telling us that it's not possible to know ever, maybe, whether it's going faster in, in any particular direction. It's not possible to know whether the universe prefers our current description where the speed of light is the same in every direction or a different description where you change the speed of light to be different in different directions. You know, they all describe the universe in the same way. And so until you like get into the heart of black holes and understand quantum gravity and have a reason to predict why the speed of light should be a certain number, then all these theories work the same way. And remember, the reason we like special relativity, that we accept it, not that we believe that it's fundamentally true, is because it works. And so if you apply that same premise, right, like you should apply that to all theories that work. The reason that we prefer the one where the speed of light is the same in all directions is just that it's simpler. It makes the math easier and we like simpler explanations of the universe. Some people think like, all right, this is kind of like overblown clickbait. Really doesn't mean anything different about the physical universe. It's just about like how we write things down on paper. Mm, I see. Like it maybe gets to a more philosophical area of like what is even time or what is even distance or what is even speed? Exactly. It has a lot to do with how you define time. All these measurements of the speed of light are really ratios of distances and times. And so you're talking about time intervals, and it's very easy to get confused about what time intervals mean in special relativity. It's simplest if you just have one clock and never moves relative to you. But now we're trying to do something else. We're trying to think about like, what is the reading of a clock that's far away? And, you know, this is hard to do even with time zones on Earth. You know, for example, like France is an hour ahead of England in time zones, right? Or like Arizona is an hour ahead of California in time zones. So you could like set off on a journey from Arizona to California, leaving at noon in Arizona and arriving after an hour at noon in California. Does that mean that you've traveled instantaneously, right? Like you left at noon, you arrived at noon. According to some definition of velocity, you've gone a distance and no time has elapsed on the clocks. And so you've moved instantaneously. In some senses, this is sort of making that same argument that you can arbitrarily define the meaning of clocks at distant locations so that the speed of light becomes really weird and wonky. Right. And I was thinking like not even our notions of time or how we measure it is that pure in, the, in, the, in themselves, right? Like we measure time by how some crystal oscillates, right? Usually, or some atom like spins or something like that. But even those things have to do with motion of these particles through space. And, and so those are also dependent on the speed of light, right? Yeah, absolutely. Everything is linked in that way. As you say, time is linked to motion, right? Time is a measurement of change. Now you can't have a clock that doesn't change and everything there is linked to the fundamental processes which are connected to the speed of light. So more than thinking like, wow, light might move instantaneously between here and Mars and take twice as long on the way back. Instead of thinking that that might be the way our universe is, the point is to realize that there's a deep connection between the speed of light and the whole idea of time and to understand how those ideas flow from one to the other and how little we really know about what's happening far away. And I think there's a temptation to say, oh, we have special relativity, therefore we can think about how long it takes light to get from here to there. But really we get confused 
When we think about what's happening somewhere far away, we don't really know what's happening to clocks that are far away from us. Right. It, it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier, how we're used to the world working one way because that's what it seems to work on as we grow up. And maybe the, the real universe works in a totally different way. You know, like we're used to this idea of, you know, my time being the same as your time or my, if I synchronize clocks and then we walk away from each other, the clocks will still be synchronized. But really, that's not maybe how the universe really work in, in these extreme or nitty-gritty situations. Yeah, and we have to be careful about relying too much on conventions that sound reasonable and seem like good assumptions, but in the end are just conventions. You know, like for example, we set the electron's charge to be minus one. We could have chosen it to be something else. We could have chosen it to be plus 62. And then a lot of things would be different. But fundamentally, the universe wouldn't be different. It's just like how we're writing things down on paper, how we are thinking about things. So we shouldn't ascribe too much universality to these arbitrary choices that we make. And in this case, the lesson is relating back to what you were talking about earlier about local measurements, right? Really, what this tells us is that we can only measure things that are very, very close to us and know what that means in any intuitive sense. Once we start talking about things that are really any distance away from us with respect to the speed of light, then things start to get fuzzy. And the ideas you have about what's happening far away rely more on convention than actual experiment. Right. It's all sort of dependent on how you measure things or, or what things are. But there has to be something true about the universe that is invariant, right? Like it, maybe our notions of what time is is not sort of in, immovable, but there has to be some nugget of truth in the universe, right? Some consistency in the law. Maybe we just need to sort of like realign our conceptions and to get at that, to, to sort of understand the truth. Yeah, it's possible. But it's also possible that we have an overblown sense of truth and the universality of our picture of the universe based on what we've learned here. You know, Newton's biggest leap was to unify the heavens and the earth and say, oh, look, the law of gravity that works down here on Earth also works on the planets in the sky. And that must have been a great moment. Unfortunately, he was kind of wrong, right? Like the same rules don't apply everywhere. And so the universality of rules that you deduce by looking at things in your experience don't necessarily tell you anything about the rest of the universe. And so it might be that there's truth to the universe, but that truth might also just be local. It might just be like the universe is crazy, chaotic mess, and we can summarize parts of it in some circumstances approximately and describe them. But there might not be any like deep, simple truth about the universe. Well, but but it's not random, right? It's not like anything goes. Like if something works at a certain scale, it seems to work all the time at that scale. Or if something works at a different scale, it seems to work all the time at that scale. Yeah, it does seem to follow some laws. Exactly. Whether those laws are universal and whether you can extend your understanding out from the cases that you've studied is another question, right? Like the experiments we've done are the experiments we've done. And if you repeat them, you get the same answers. But you should be careful about like drawing overly broad conclusions from those experiments about the meaning of what's happening elsewhere and on different scales. Right, right. Well, I thought of a, an interesting scenario, and maybe you can run uh, this through with us here, like a situation where light would be different in different directions. We've talked about how the universe is expanding, right? And space is always expanding everywhere all the time. That would make light sort of take a different amount of time to go outwards than it would to come back, right? Like you and I, the space between you and me is constantly expanding. It's getting bigger. If you shoot a photon at me, it's going to travel a certain speed or take a certain amount of time. But once it bounces off my mirror and goes back to you, it's sort of like going upstream off of the expansion of the universe. 
oh, that's a cool idea. But then on the way back, it's also going upstream against the expansion of the universe, right? Because the universe is always expanding. And if it's expanding the same way in every direction as we think it is, then it's sort of always expanding in front of that photon, no matter what direction it's going. Mm, but what if the expansion is also not the same in all directions. Oh yeah, let's add epicycles to epicycles. You know, this is a really cool idea. And actually yesterday I was reading a really fascinating paper exploring something similar about whether we could see the impact of a non-universal speed of light on the distant universe. Like, should we be able to see galaxies in one direction less redshifted than in another direction because the speed of light is different in that direction? Right. Or if the universe is expanding differently in one direction than in another direction and the speed of light is different in that direction, could that also explain things? And it turns out that you can't tell the difference, right? That it's possible for the universe to be expanding at different speeds in different directions and the speed of light to be different in different directions. And it all cancels out in a very nice way so that it looks uniform, which is what we see today. We see the redshift being the same in every direction, for example. And that it has to do with the connection between time dilation and the speed of light. That if speed of light is different in different directions, then time dilation is different. And so like redshifting is different in different directions. So even if weird things are happening out there, it all looks uniform to us. Right, right. But if I like shoot a photon to the edge of the observable universe, it's, it's going to take a certain amount of time to get there, right? Because there's a certain amount of space between here and there. But on the way back, it should take longer because there's more space on the way back, right? Yeah, it will take longer on the way back. Exactly. But because you don't measure it halfway there, you don't measure when it gets to the edge of the observable universe, you don't know how long it's taken to get there versus how long it's taken to get back if you're only measuring the round trip time. Mm, but it should have taken more time, right? Because there was more space on the way back. Yes, it should take more time on the way back. But even in the case where the speed of light is the same in every direction, that's true, right? It's just there's more space on the way back. All right. Well, it's pretty mind-blowing to think that we um, may not know how the universe really works <laughs> even today. It, it seems like maybe the speed of light could be moving differently in different directions. Yeah, that's one way to describe the universe. It sort of requires a weirder definition of time than the one we have. So I like the idea that the speed of light on one-way trips is the same as the way it is on the way back because it's just simpler and it describes all of the experiments and it also doesn't break my brain. But the truth is that we don't know and we have to keep our our minds open to crazier ideas about the universe than we even imagine. Right, because it's, it's weird to think that it could be a totally different way and still the laws of the universe that we have now still work. Yeah, and we have lots of examples of that in our history of generalizing from the ideas that are time tested and believed to be true to a larger set of ideas which reveal some deeper truth about the universe. Well, there is something that does have a preferred direction and that is this podcast because we've reached the end <laughs> of our time here today. But uh, hopefully it made you think a little bit about what time really means in the universe and it's maybe something that we may never really know or know the real truth of it. Uh, out there. So are we doing this podcast one way? We're not going to go all the way to the end and then go back? That's right. We're not going to turn around and, and say all the <laughs> same things we just said, but backwards. Yeah, that's your job, folks. Hit the replay button backwards and listen to it at 2x speed. That's right. Or listen to it um, uh, backwards. And there might be a hidden message in the audio, you know, like in those old records. Send bananas. <laughs> Send $2 billion. <laughs> in bananas. <laughs> <laughs> no, please, please send mine in, in real dollars, please. Okay. But anyways, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed that. See you next time. Thanks for listening. And remember that Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe is a production of iHeartRadio. 
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits. LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.